Join me, Professor RPG, as I sit down with friends, colleagues, and special guests as we reminisce and discuss role-playing games that left their mark on us. Expect to see all sorts, from Western style to Japanese and even tabletop. So stay a while and listen, and let us trigger those memories of tales long since completed. Relive that fantasy you hold dear, and come along with us, adventurer, on this quest into the past. Welcome to the RPG University. What is the meaning of this discretion? Who has disturbed my ancient slumber? Dearest Night Mother, most unholy maiden, please, we beg your mercy in this, our time of need. The Black Hand seeks your guidance. Ah, yes, I have been expecting you. The listener now kneels by Sithis, as does his successor. There is a traitor amongst you. The traitor is dead, dear mother. We have come now to ask your blessing. Anoint one of us your listener, so we can restore the Black Hand. Foolish little girl. Lucian Lachance serves Sithis till his dying breath. The Black Hand remains tainted by betrayal. Restoration is impossible. Enough! Enough of this! You will all suffer for the pain you cause me! I will destroy your Night Mother, and the Dark Brotherhood will fall! What treachery! The traitor still lives! It is Matthew Bellamont. Do not let him harm the Night Mother. Kill him! Class is in session, and today we are talking some Elder Scrolls. As always, I am your host, Scott White, also known as Professor RPG, and this week I have the pleasure of welcoming to the university editor from Prima Games and all-around fantastic guy, Jesse Vitale. How's it going, Jesse? Hey, how's it going? Thanks for having me. You know, we're just here to, to talk some Elder Scrolls, have a good time. I uh, appreciate you having me on to talk about some some good old RPGs. Oh, no problem. It's... uh. We've been trying to get this happening for a while, and it finally has worked out. And in honor of Skyrim getting like their 80 billionth port, I wanted to talk about the precursor to Skyrim. I think many, a game that I believe does many things better than Skyrim, Oblivion. And I'm so glad you can hang out with me and uh, nerd out about this fantastic game. Yes, because I am also in the camp that um, I... I I, maybe you're not in this camp, but I am where I think that Oblivion is a better game than Skyrim. That is I that I is agree. my OK. I didn't want to speak for you, but uh, Oblivion is definitely my preferred game over Skyrim in the Elder Scrolls series. I agree. I agree. Now, Oblivion initially released back in 2006 on March 20th for the Windows PC and Xbox 360, starting off its life as a Xbox 360 console exclusive. It released in North America on March 20th, Australia on March 23rd, and Europe in March 24th. It would get a Game of the Year edition in September of 2007, with a uh, North American release on September 10th, Europe on the 21st, and Australia on the 28th. PlayStation owners got their first taste of it in 2007 as well, earlier in the year. On March 20th in North America, Australia got it on the 26th and Europe and 27th. Um, so, yeah, that's when we all got to ex uh, uh, play this wonderful game and to kind of give your uh, uh, brain an idea of what other games you might have been playing back in the day. Here's some other games that also released in 2006. These included Final Fantasy 12, the original release of Okami, uh, Dead Rising, Wii Sports, Bully. Actually, this this was uh, no, this might have been. Yeah, this was probably still the original release of Okami. I don't I'm not sure if it was the Wii or the PS2 version, but Final Fantasy 12, Okami, Dead Rising, Wii Sports, Bully, Marvel Ultimate Alliance, Resistance Fall of Man, Castlevania Portrait of Ruin, Elite Beat Agents, Zelda Twilight Princess and the game of the year that year, Sonic the Hedgehog 06. <laughs> so. Jesse, it's a good when was good your year. first? It was baller year strong. I mean, we got um, that was the year that we came out and just destroyed all expectations. That was a huge thing. Yeah, I'm, I'm um, like looking at this list and I, I I think I played just about every one of these games um, at release. Yeah, um, PlayStation 3 also released that year, I believe. 
No. No, it was, it was 2007, yeah. right? No. Might have been. I remember PlayStation. The PlayStation 3 was the year after the 360. I don't know. I never had a PS3, so I'm not I'm, I'm not the expert here. Yeah, it, I'm trying to remember because I worked at GameStop for the year that the PS3 or the Wii released. And I want to say the Wii was 06. I know that Wii was 06, but whatever the case. Yes, lots of great games came out that year. Absolutely fantastic. But we're talking some Oblivion. So, Jesse, when was your first kind of taste with Oblivion? Were you a fan of Elder Scrolls leading up to Oblivion? So Oblivion's a weird one for me because I one I had not I was not familiar with the Elder Scrolls franchise in any form. I wasn't really a big RPG person to begin with. I had played some JRPGs in the past, like Final Fantasy X and Kingdom Hearts and some other ones, uh, but mainly like JRPGs. I never really got into like Western RPGs. Mm-hmm. And um, it wasn't until a friend of mine, because I got most of my gaming news uh, back in the day from just like friends. You know, we would just talk about things we rented at Blockbuster or we saw or got, you know, for mm-hmm. Christmas or whatever. My one friend was telling me about this game, which was Oblivion, and telling me it was just a cool, cool RPG. You fight all these monsters, you do the stuff, you can kind of like do whatever you want. Uh, but he was like, yeah, but my game's bugged, so I haven't been able to play it. So I was like, oh, what do you mean it's bugged? He's like, oh, I, I, I can't go anywhere. And so we like went to his house later that night and he like showed me and it turns out he was just uh, encumbered and didn't know what that meant because <laughs> we were like dumb 12 year olds. And yeah. um, so we later like used the computer and Googled and learned that he just had to get rid of things in his inventory and so my first like experience with Oblivion was just walking around really slow because we didn't know oh how to get rid of to make that stop. And so mm-hmm. I was like, oh, I don't know if this game's for me. I, this this seems like too realistic. And then uh, eventually, once we figured out the problem, I like we actually played through a good chunk of it that night. And I was like, oh, mm-hmm. this is what this game is. This game looks really cool. So then I went to my mom and I was like, hey, uh, can, can we go get this game? And then we went and we got it and I just did not stop playing it for like months. I just like that was it. I'd fallen in love with it. Now you played it on 360 then I'm guessing. Yeah. So I played it on 360 and it was like it was it was definitely my first I think like major RPG. Like I said I would played other mm-hmm. other like JRPGs and stuff but this was my first sort of like I guess like the modernized take on RPGs the sort of non turn based uh, open world yeah. experience and so i had not experienced anything like oblivion at the time and I'm, I'm sure there were other games out around this era that did similar things but this was my first experience and i just remember like being overwhelmed with options and just being like yeah. oh i can i can go wherever and like look it was one of the first games i started like looking things up online trying to figure out like what mm-hmm. i should be doing and and all sorts of stuff and i was just enamored with the world and um at the time i thought the graphics were really incredible uh watching some of the cutscenes earlier today uh that game has definitely aged <laughs> um yeah not terribly <laughs> though uh surprisingly like it still holds up um but yeah i was just i just fell head over heels for this thing yeah uh, for me back in 2006 i had just graduated high school and i remember for college to get ready uh i was able to buy my own PC so it could do the things I needed. And one of the big things I remember being super excited for was I had to buy a computer that could run uh, Oblivion. Like, I remember this was everywhere. It was such a big game. It was like the first real next gen, uh, next generation Western RPG. Like, the things they were saying it could do just blew me away. So it's like, I have to play this. So I remember it was like the day after I had gotten my computer home, I ran to. Um, Circuit City of all places. Oh, that's where I got my 360. Yeah. (laughs) Good old Circuit City. And I I remember my girlfriend at the time just shook her head because I said I wasn't going to spend like more money. And then I just dropped like 50 bucks on this game. It's like, you don't understand. I have to have this. Uh, But such good memories with this. And I remember... um, playing through it, joining the blades, doing all sorts of things. And I remember with when I later on, I had had a 360 and um, I don't know what it was. It was whether I had traded in some games or something. I don't remember what it was, but I had gone to this GameStop to get the Steelbook Game of the Year edition. It, I believe it was. And 
I ended up getting money back, like more money than I was supposed to get back. So I actually got like this collector's edition, not collector's edition, but like the Steelbook Game of the Year edition for free. Oh, wow. <laughs> they actually paid me for it. It was really weird, but I was just like, okay. Um, I was in college. I didn't have lots of money. So being paid to get a game was, was, was kind of <laughs> cool. Um, I've spent so much money at GameStop and I used to work there. So I don't feel like I, I didn't chip them. But they got yeah, your money I, one way or the other. Yeah, one way or the other, they got my money. But so what was your biggest takeaway when you got your own copy and really dove into Oblivion? So my my first sort of like big revelation with the game is because obviously, like I said earlier, uh, the first time I played it, I played it with a friend. So it was his, it was his account. You know, he had already been partially way through the game. So I'd never seen the opening of the game. I hadn't seen the character creator. And so mm-hmm. I I didn't actually know at first that it was a custom character. So when I got presented with the like, oh, no, you're going to like spec out your character and like pick a race. And there's all this lore and backstory between them. Uh, and then I saw the Argonian and I was like, OK, well, I'm obviously not going to be anything other than this lizard man. Um, <laughs> and so course. I made a lizard. And then um, the one tip my friend had told me uh, before going in was jump all the time. Because this was the system where, like, the more you did something, the more it leveled up. Mm-hmm. So I was, I just have this vivid memory of like getting through the intro of that game, you know, going through the sewers, um, watching the emperor um, um, die, and you get the amulet and you move on. Um, and then just as soon as I got into the open world, just jumping every, just everywhere I would go, I would just jump. And I was just jumping and jumping and jumping. And it's this really dumb memory, but uh, it's something that's just so funny to me looking back. But I, I remember like vividly like spending a lot of time in that character creator and really just kind of like mm-hmm. combing over all of it. And like looking back, you know, it's it's probably not as robust as as a lot of the stuff now. But I just remember sitting there for probably it, probably like an hour and a half just like going over every variation I could of like what this character could look like mm-hmm. and like really crafting it into my own. And I had now I had never played a game with an extensive character creator before this point. And mm-hmm. and so that really just stuck out to me as like, oh no, I can really make this thing my own. I can really um just, you know, you know, this is my story um in like a really interesting way. And and yeah. And then, you know, once they let you into that open world, it really was like, um, I don't know where to go, but I'm just gonna start walking in this direction and see where it takes me. And that's yeah. pretty much how I played that game, was just like going to walk until I see something interesting. When I do whatever's interesting over here, I'm going to turn around and walk the other way and see what I can find. And boom, that game is massive. Yeah, it is. I remember one, like real quick. I just want to touch on, you mentioned it, the emperor previous shout out to Patrick fucking Stewart. Yeah. Voicing Ariel Septum. Ooh, he still gives me shivers. It's a good, love my captain Picard. It's a good, uh, um, good casting. Oh Yeah. For sure. I mean, Bethesda has usually a big star attached with a lot of these games. Uh, but and Patrick Stewart was Oblivion's. But um, I was blown away by that. And touching on kind of character creation system, what really impressed me about Oblivion, and I think this was the, like the first game that I really encountered um, the class creation where you could pick. Yeah, you could have your standard major fighter and, and things like that you they have those classes but then you also had the option to basically custom make and tailor a class from the ground up to your liking out of the gate which i thought was really really cool you could name it you could do all sorts of things but i thought that was really cool yeah the, the whole like that and like the constellation system and stuff like they really mm-hmm. gave you those like added benefits to be like oh you want to play this game dual wield stealth like we got a class for that, but if you want to tweak it just a little bit, like you can do that. And it, yeah, it, I, it's weird. Cause I always end up playing these games, um, like weapon in one hand spell in the other. And I think that's kind of common for mm-hmm. a lot of people. Uh, it's just like nice to have that spell all the time. Um, but oblivion, I definitely mess around and, and like my first run through was definitely like, Oh, well, I need to have a healing spell and I need to have a weapon. And those are kind of my two. But like when I went back and played mm-hmm. it multiple times, it was like, oh, let's let's do like a, an all ranged attacker and like let's do a two handed uh, hammer build mm-hmm. and, and let's 
let's try to get weird with it. And Oblivion lets you do that, which is nice. Um, there's no real penalty to really playing how you want to play. I, yeah. I always appreciate that. Yeah, I'm, I've always erred on the sneaky, distant, stabby side, like the roguish uh, kind of aspect. So, like, the whole questline, like, with the fox and, uh, like, yes. the bows and absolutely loved it but i have to say i got a lot more close range when i could wield badass katanas oh hell as yeah. a member of the blades i thought that was so cool i'm trying to think the f- the fox mask was what you got for the thieves guild right it was the thing that let you like i uh, believe i think it yeah, let it you like, like you like didn't have to pay bounties or something it was i remember doing the thieves guild mm-hmm. quest line but i was definitely as you could tell by the beginning of this episode much more of a dark brotherhood um mm. uh fan and the arena i spent a lot of time in the combat arena stuff mm-hmm. um that was a big one for me um yeah it, i i remember just like that was like one of the first things i did was go to the the arena and like place bets on myself and then just get a bunch of money <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's there was just kind of touching on it and there were so many different guilds and avenues like you could be you also the the magic schools Mm -hmm. and become the leader of those you could do the black hand be like an assassin uh you could be a thief you could be like an arena champ there were so many different avenues outside of the main quest and and granted that's kind of the mo for a lot of these games like this style of game especially from bethesda but at the time back in 2006 like this was still very novel like, it was like, holy crap, there's so much here. Um, and even going back and thinking on it, it it's so much fun to think back to it. And trying out different builds and just getting little uh, tips, not tool tips, but little pop-ups saying that your skill in X improved. It was just that constant kind of feed of... Um, adrenaline and feedback that made you want to keep playing and put in lots of hours into this game yeah um i to to bounce off the the skill increase thing i had mentioned before like jumping everywhere was it was a big thing Mm -hmm. and at some point somebody had clued me into that like if you get your jumping skill high enough you'll be able to jump off of the surface of water and i always thought that was like a really neat thing so i was like okay how do i get my i think it was acrobatics is what Mm -hmm. this skill was actually called uh and i just remember there's a there was a cheese that you could do where if you went to I don't remember the name of the city, but it's the one where the Khajiits hang out. It's it's like wooden. It's got some uh, like wooden bridges and stuff. There's a tavern you can go to. And if you get up on the bar and jump, your like mm-hmm. head hits the tip of the bar and pushes you back down. So you can just like spam X and get in like 100 jumps like a minute. And like I would just oh, wow. sit there and just do that for like an hour until I had max acrobatics <laughs> so I could jump off the surface of water, which was re- a relatively useless skill. Like it, it didn't ever play into mm-hmm. anything I was doing. I just liked the idea that I could do that. And so I went out and did it. And like, that's the kind yeah. of stuff that I found so fascinating about oblivion was like, yeah, you could totally just, I don't want to say waste your time, but like kind of waste your time doing this thing that is extremely trivial and will have no actual impact, but like we'll reward you for it. We'll give you something for it if you want to do it. And so mm-hmm. then I was able to jump off the surface of the water. And that was a, a real dumb thing to be able to do. But I could do it. I love it, though. It's so cool. That's my favorite thing about um, RPGs. It's just like if you want to put the time in to grind or, or do something like mm-hmm. a game that rewards you for doing that is incredible. Yeah. And it, and it always shows to me the care that goes into the games to program it or add that in. For fans, just because they want to yeah. you know and i'm sure that being able to jump off water would be beneficial for certain qu- a few quests and things but just you are so good at jumping you have invested all this time you can jump off water why not that's just cool <laughs> the rule of cool is prevalent in this game I a hundred percent um it was i remember kind of going back to the intro of this game i will always remember what's I what always comes to mind with this game is the moment you get out of the sewers and you see the the expanse, how yeah. vast the world and the landscape ahead of you is. And, and I mean, this has become kind of a trope that's used a lot 
in games these days. I mean, Breath of the Wild does it pretty much fault like the Fallout games have done it. it like this is a a standard set piece moment that's used a lot. But with Oblivion, I feel like it was one of those games that really started it. And I will always remember walking out that sewer and just seeing Tamriel out in front of me. Yeah, it, it's one of the things that I think that Skyrim lacks, right? Because mm-hmm. in Skyrim, you're, you you know, it's the meme at this point of like you riding on the cart, right? Like getting ready to be executed. Mm-hmm. And like, sure, you're in like a somewhat confined space, but you're still like in the world. And so like when you leave that area after it's been attacked, you kind of like see the world in front of you, but you've already like been outside as opposed to something like an oblivion where you are confined in a jail and then a sewer. And so you are in these very mm-hmm. tight, dimly lit spaces. And then the first time you venture outside, you get that expansive sort of view of everything in front of you. And mm-hmm. yeah, like I said, like I, I just think Skyrim on that front uh, like misses the mark compared to Oblivion because Oblivion does that so well. And like you said at the time, like it wasn't overdone, right? It was sort of novel at the time and it, it still holds up. Like it's still such a great moment. Like because you because you start this game like is it like in a jail cell and like a dingy sewer like it's just gross and then you get out into this beautiful sprawling world and it, it yeah you know you can really take it in so i'm curious after you kind of got experience to oblivion did you ever go back and play morrowind so i never played morrowind and i've always wanted to and mm-hmm. it, it's come up on my Twitter timeline every so often, um, like somebody's playing Morrowind or a screenshot of Morrowind or someone's talking about it because it's an anniversary. Um, mm-hmm. But I've never actually gone to play Morrowind. I'd be interested to like, I mean, for a matter of fact, I haven't really ever gone back and played Oblivion again. I have mm-hmm. started Oblivion a bunch of times since I've uh, since I first played it, like as much as I did. But I always like end up falling mm-hmm. off like an hour or two in, right? Just because other things are coming out or something's happening. Um, and so I really want to dedicate time to go back to Oblivion. Yeah. Um, and then before that, I would love to go back and actually play through Morrowind. Um, it's part of the yeah. reason the Elder Scrolls Online is so enticing uh, to a degree because mm-hmm. it does kind of have all of the... Obviously, it's not the game, but it does have all these areas in it at this point. I, like, I'd love to go play Morrowind and, yeah. and Oblivion again and then go check out Elder Scrolls Online and see them, uh, what they look like now. <laughs> yeah. Uh, in kind of preparation for this, I reinstalled Oblivion on my computer. I haven't gone back and played it because, like you mentioned, there's always something else uh, to play or cover. That is the one of the, the bane. Well, not I shouldn't say banes, but the consequences of doing any sort of games journalism, having to to cover games yeah you always gotta cover the next the next thing it's very little time to go back and and play other things right and um but i want to dive back in because like you i haven't really sank much time into oblivion in a long time and like talking about it and see as much as i love this show it's also this is always happens i get on and i nerd out about these games that myself and like you or the other guests love and it's like i want to play it but there's only so many hours in a day yeah. that I can't. And unfortunately, RPGs tend to be long. Yeah. I, as soon as I, when I, you know, when I was doing research and, and filling, uh, filling in my brain with all the oblivion knowledge again mm-hmm. uh, in prep for this, uh, I was just watching those cutscenes and stuff. And I was like, yeah, they've aged. But like, man, I could really play some oblivion right now. I could really, mm-hmm. oh man, I'm going to end up, you're going to see me on Twitter later. I'm going to be posting that I started oblivion again. Like I, I already, I can already tell. It's it's happening. I'm excited. Yeah, um, I'm I'm right there with you. And uh, it's just I, thinking back to Oblivion and all the cool stuff you can do. It makes me really sad to it. It I guess it doesn't. I wouldn't say it makes me really sad. I think that's a bit over of an exaggeration, but it bums me out that I know Skyrim still has sold gangbusters. Oh, yeah. And will always sell gangbusters, but it's like, it would be so nice to if Morrowind and Oblivion got, like, a current port. Like, clean up some of the textures, make them, like, 4K textures, make sure it runs well, and, like, release a bundle, or release Oblivion on modern consoles. I would love nothing um, give more. Give some love to those. Than just a 
and like any like you said any version of those games mm-hmm. modernized even if it's like mm-hmm. the bare minimum like i would just like like yeah sure you can play these like there are easy ways to play these games they're not by any means difficult to be able yeah. to play however they have not gotten the skyrim treatment which skyrim has gotten like you said a bajillion versions and it keeps getting updated mm-hmm. and i get why it you know like you said it sells like gangbusters but like I feel like Oblivion could also sell super well and a Morrowind. Like, I feel like yeah. if those things were cleaned up and given the the proper attention that they deserve, mm-hmm. those games would also sell like crazy because I bet you there are a lot of people who have played Skyrim over and over and over again who have probably never played those two games. Yeah. And I, I, I it hurts. It hurts. completely agree. <laughs> I want them to experience it. Yeah. And I mean, it's... It's funny because, and we'll talk about this later, but you can still go online and like on Amazon and Amazon Prime, a brand new copy of Oblivion straight to your home. I mean, they have Xbox One, Xbox 360 boxes, plays on Xbox One and stuff like it's on the Game Pass. So like there are ways to play this. I just wish like Bethesda and now I guess now Microsoft kind of pushes it a bit. It's like Skyrim's cool and all, but have you played Oblivion? Have you played Morrowind? Yeah, it's like they'll always like evoke their names when they're talking about stuff like like, they, you know, they've been mm-hmm. out there and been like, oh, you know, we've had relationships with Xbox since all the way on Morrowind. And it's like, yeah, you said the word Morrowind, but like, what do you what do you want to you want to say do more really about Morrowind? Still? Do you want to say really, maybe maybe you want to remaster that mm-hmm. one? That would be great. But yeah, alas. Yeah. Thankfully, there are com- the modern communities yes. like there's the modding community around all these games is incredible. Like perhaps some of the craziest and most extensive mods in gaming are surround these Bethesda games. But um, like there are ones that update textures and add whole new areas and whole new campaigns. It's, it's incredible what fans have been able to do. So you can definitely still play um, play these games with a lot of enhancements, but an official kind of bundled release would be, or a ba- Microsoft backed release would be really cool. So I'm curious, like when you think of Oblivion, Jesse, like what instantly comes to mind? Like what is your, what is your Oblivion? Like what do you usually what do you associate with Oblivion? I guess so. Uh, well, the big thing with Oblivion, right, are the Oblivion, ga- uh, the Oblivion gates, the sort of like uh-huh. dungeons of this game. Um, so, like, my first thought is like the color red, because anytime you'd go near them, the sky would be red, and it'd be uh-huh. really gross looking, and you wouldn't want to go in them, but you knew you had to uh, to save the world. Um, but the other thing that comes to my mind for some reason is the specifically the shield spell break which was a daedric artifact it was the first daedric Mm -hmm. artifact i believe i ever got in oblivion um and the concept of there are weapons and armor in this game that are not just like regular pieces of gear you will find they are like tied Mm -hmm. to quests and they are special and they have special properties to them and they are like truly unique and that is something that I always look for in RPGs uh, is like, what are the weapons and items I can get that are wholly unique and will change the way I pl- like interact with this video game. And mm-hmm. so like, I always think of the Daedric artifacts and, and they've made their appearances in other Elder Scrolls games. Like that is not necessarily unique to Oblivion, but it was the first time I ever experienced something like the Sanguine Rose or Spellbreak, or Azure Star, or any of those artifacts that, like, truly are just, like, one, they're fun to go get because they're always tied to some ridiculous quest, but then also, like, mm-hmm. at the end of it, you get, like, a, a piece of gear that just d- does, it doesn't operate like anything else does in that game, and uh, yeah. it always felt like like a great reward for completing a quest, and those those are the moments, like, I think about when I, when I think about Oblivion. Yeah. For me, when I think about Oblivion, I think about that first look after you exit the um, the sewers. I remember the sewers escape. Um, and I remember the quest where you have to meet 
the thieves in like the back of the city, like in the cemetery at a certain mm-hmm. period of time. Like you had to like rest so long. So it was a certain time of day, certain time of night for the quest to show up. And I thought that was so cool. And just that the, the discovery aspect of oblivion. Yeah. I mean, uh, it really is the, you know, go wherever you want and you'll find something along the way. Mm hmm. Uh, another aspect we haven't touched on yet that certainly deserves to be mentioned is the soundtrack of this game. I love how kind of the the music was so subtle, but yet so poignant. It just kind of faded into the background, and I thought it was paired so well, whether you were exploring or in a city or in the Oblivion Gates. I just, I love the, I love the soundtrack of this game. Yeah, Oblivion does... Um... So Oblivion does the RPG soundtrack super well because it never feels like wallpaper. It never feels Mm -hmm. just like set dressing that you get tired of hearing. Like, I feel like so many RPGs, both old and modern, you know, tend to have the the three or four tracks that play and you kind of just become so used to hearing them that they lose weight. But I feel like it's something I think Elder Scrolls does across the board really well, but Oblivion definitely stands out is just like the even if a song hits for the you know the fourth fifth or sixth time like it still hits like it still Mm -hmm. it doesn't ever feel like just like a droning noise that you've heard a hundred times before yeah um and like no matter when the exploration music kicks in or the battle music or or whatever like every time you go to a town you hear uh a different tune like it it just it works and it, it it is used both a lot but effectively, and I think that is a very hard balance to strike. But I think it is one that mm-hmm. Oblivion does exceptionally well. Yeah. Um, like, just from the get-go, like, when you're in the title screen, the the drums hammering, it's it's this the such a swelling of, um, like, vigor and passion to, like, get you hyped up. It's like, it, it, it just exudes. You are going on a grand adventure, so get ready. Like, from the get-go... It just brings you in the soundtrack. And what what I think is really important to especially a lot of these open world RPGs, whether it's Fallout, whether it's Skyrim, Oblivion, Morrowind, what have you, it's the soundtrack never gets in the way of the gameplay. It only augments and improves the experience. Exactly. Which is so important and adds so much to these sorts of games that you might not even like consciously be aware of the music but like subconsciously you like it just adds to it um i don't know how to explain it but no i mean we we did you know what i mean like we like it is one of those things where like it it is so solid in Mm -hmm. every sense of the word that like it is just like you can listen to it on its own and still have a good time or you can pair it with the game and it it holds up just as well like it it works on both fronts mm-hmm. and and I think that's a hard thing to do, you know, making making music for a game that you could put hundreds of hours into without it feeling repetitive is a difficult task. But uh oh, but yeah. it is one that they they manage. So, I'm curious, we mentioned that we both prefer we, we both find this to be a a superior experience to Skyrim. Um I'm curious with we know that uh Elder Scrolls 6 is in development for some time down the road, like it'll release. What do you hope they take or what would you hope would like to see kind of brought back or pulled from Oblivion that wasn't in Skyrim in the next Elder Scrolls game? So it's a question I've thought a lot about and um, it's, I don't, maybe this sounds like a cop-out answer, but like it's sort of just like a vibes thing. Mm Mm-hmm. Like there is something about the atmosphere of oblivion and the sort of like warmth that that those towns have and the 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 central city and everything. There's something just about the way that that world feels that is just like in mm-hmm. stark contrast to Skyrim. And I don't know if it's because Skyrim has a lot of snow in a lot of areas and the dragons are kind of just annoying or 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 what have you. But there is something about just like, being in the world of oblivion that makes me feel like warm that skyrim Mm -hmm. does not skyrim feels very to me personally at least feels very like cold and calculated in a lot of ways 
mm-hmm. where Oblivion feels more like an adventure. And I yeah. would hope that Elder Scrolls Six feels more like somewhere I want to like call home, and and less more of like I a, a I'm gonna fight the dragons and be the the strongest man. Like I don't I don't know. Mm-hmm. There's something about Skyrim that just doesn't. I don't know. It's hard to explain. I hear you. I hear you. Um, you had mentioned that you are you like you always may had to make sure that you had like spells and weapon like melee weapons handy uh, that you could swap between. Uh, what was what are some of like the pathways or storylines that you in your your character's canonical adventure had like where did you make sure when you played through that you were the head of every guild? Did you prioritize certain things Uh, like what was besides being master at jumping and acrobatics? (laughs) What was your character's canonical kind of story? So uh, I remember had canon. I remember getting out there and being like, "Okay, it's it's obviously we're on this very important mission. The emperor has given us the the amulet of kings. We need to go. And so my first thought was. I need to complete the main story. I need to do the main story because it is like time is of the essence. Like these oblivion gates are coming. Like there's no time for anything else. Um, so I remember just like mainlining. Um, so I, I actually brought it up earlier. My, like my canonical sort of like head cannon playthrough is I, my, my primary goal was always main story because the, the, mm-hmm. the impending doom is on its way. Um, I always have a weird thing about, uh, RPGs where like the main quest line is always like there's impending doom. And then, but the game itself is always like, okay, well you can go do 40 side quests that have nothing to do with the story. And like the main story, will just kind of be on pause. So in my brain, I'm always like, I got to do the main story. So I go, uh, and I, it was one of these weird moments where I've never kind of thought about this in an RPG, but I was like, if I'm going to do this, I need to get stronger. I'm going to go to the arena because you go to some town and they tell you about the arena And I'm like, okay, great. I can go there and I can train and I can get stronger and I can, I can like beef up my stats and then I can go take out the main quest. And so my original thought was main story. Let me go to the arena first and train, um, not just for like me, but for my character. And that was like a very, mm-hmm. that was one of the first times in a, in a, in a game where I had really thought about like what my character needs versus like what I want to do as a player. Uh, yeah. and so there was a level of immersion there from the, from the jump. And so I go to the arena and then I think I wanted to see if it would let me kill NPCs. And so I killed like a random person in the arena. And then that's when I got the note about the dark brotherhood. Cause like you go to sleep and they, they give you the thing says, yeah. like, no, with the handprint. And then I think I just started following that plot thread because I was like, Oh, well I have, this is, this is cool. I have to know what this is. Mm -hmm. And then I ended up doing the entire dark brotherhood storyline before I even went back to the main story. And so I became, you know, a part of the dark brotherhood, uh, did the whole quest line with the night mother. Um, and then I was like, Oh wow. That was like, that was unlike anything I had done before. Um, and then my initial thought was probably, okay, time to do the main story again. But I think in reality, what happened was, I decided to just start doing side quests and just decided to start seeing what this world had to offer. Cause I was like, mm-hmm. if it's anything like what I just did, then there's way more cool, like cool stuff in this game than I had initially thought there might be. Um, and I remember yeah. I got a house in, um, late Le- Leowin, I think is where you get the house. So I bought, I bought a mm-hmm. home and then you could furnish the home. So I was like, okay, well my character will get a house. Um, and by the way, at this point in, in my life, I was naming all my RPG characters, just Jesse. So my, this was just <laughs> Jesse's story. It wasn't, uh, I didn't have cool fantasy names at that point, uh, like I do now. Um, and so, yeah, I, I probably, I bought a house. I probably did some more stuff. I don't quests. know. Jesse sounds like a pretty cool, heroic fantasy name. It's the mighty Jesse. Yeah. Yeah. It could be. But like in my brain, it was just, no, I'm going to be this 12 year old inside yeah. this game. Um, and so that was a little less creative. I could have made it more creative, but my, my middle school brain did not allow for that. Um, yeah. And then I probably Uh, just jumped middle school brain. (laughs) I probably (laughs) just finished up the main story and then I went around and got the Daedric artifacts and stuff. But yeah, it was really the dark brotherhood was like my, my sort of like awakening to what this game could be. Mm hmm. 
I remember like getting that that letter with the handprint. I remember that that was so cool. So cool. It was such a unique way of starting a quest line. <laughs> um, you just wake up with this parchment. It's like we know what you did. It's like oh shit. Yeah, because like you could look stuff up in games at that point in time, but like it wasn't obviously mm-hmm. nearly as as prevalent as it is today. So like the only way you mm-hmm. really found out about that quest line was either a a friend told you or you like were silly enough to kill an NPC and then find out what the repercussions of that are. Yeah. So good. So good. Man, I want to play this now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Such a good game. And I hope more people I hope that with this being on Game Pass that more people have taken the time to install it and try it out. Um, who maybe didn't play it back when it originally came out because it's a special game. Um, I just remember this was a very big time in my life with making the transition from high school into college and all of the crazy life stuff going on with that. Like my parents were going through a divorce. So like this was... I was moving away from my childhood home. Like this game was such a welcome escape from reality for me that I just, I have such good memories playing it and then picking it up on 360 and playing it on um, console as well. It's, it's such a magical experience. And like you said, the, the, the landscape landscape of Tamriel was so much more vibrant and lush than the the snowy landscapes of Skyrim like I like Skyrim I I do like Skyrim I just prefer Oblivion and kind of the more intricate mechanics of uh, Oblivion but uh no this was just this is a special game it still is today like you said even looking back on it for sure but We aren't the only ones, though, that love this game. So we are going to go around the web. First up, we have user AltoidMan33 from Reddit. They say, The Knights of the Nine questline. First time I played, it seemed to really fit the character I was developing at the time. Rid the world of evil, do-gooder, nice to everybody, a paladin, if you will. Also, the other character concept I'll play is a thieving assassin, doing those guilds first, then stumble upon the knights, and go on a redemption turn and become good. Yeah, the I mean, Oblivion had some really good DLC as well. It had the Shivering Isles, it had the Knights of the Nine stuff. Um, it was one of those games, and I remember them being bundled in separately um like you could pick up individual discs because this was still in the time when internet wasn't as prevalent and you would have to buy a separate disc to install yeah i think i think i had to wait for the game of the year edition or whatever that came with mm-hmm. came with all the dlc to to get these and i don't think i ever actually finished either of them uh i think i had gotten that so mm-hmm. much later in my like oblivion life lifespan that i had just mm-hmm. i never gave them the, like, the proper time they they deserved yeah good quests indeed i i liked i had the for my canonical character i went with i started with a thief but then i slightly turned more and more lethal in my thieving and that's when i joined the dark brotherhood and took both of them over so i was that was my canonical thing i never really dabbled too much with magic in oblivion um i was like blades thieves guild black hand uh, but I never really did too much with the magic or alchemy or yeah, magic. Or, magic um, for me was like mostly that. just healing. Um, mm-hmm. It was like give me a sword and give me give me something to heal myself with. Yeah, but want to take the next one? Yeah, sure. So this one comes in from your new stepmom from Reddit. My partner and I bonded over Oblivion earlier, early in our relationship. I had never attempted to play something in first person or an RPG for that matter since I'm bad at gaming in general, but he convinced me to play. It took my soul for a while after I started it up and was the first game where I wanted to hunt 100% completion. My favorite moment in the game was watching the lucky old lady statue in Breville transform into the Night Mother. Yeah, um, that's a real good moment. And the <laughs> Night Mother 
just uh, we've said it so many times but the dark brotherhood Mm -hmm. is so good it's such a solid quest line and like Mm -hmm. the little edgelord in me at 12 years old was all about it (laughs) i was like oh these are my people let's go yep it it was a really cool quest like how you had to try and figure out how you were going to assassinate all these different targets and such a good such a good quest line absolutely fantastic Next up, we have user Adam Skispor from Reddit. They say, I think it's just walking around through town and hearing the bustle of activities. I know we all joke about the mud crab conversations, but I think NPCs chatting with each other adds immersion, and I was really disappointed when they removed that from Skyrim. Skyrim NPCs don't really talk to each other outside of scripted events for the first time you arrive in town or for quests. It makes the town in Skyrim feels really lifeless and accentuates the fact that it's it's accentuates the fact that it's a game yeah um, yeah that goes back to like one of my other problems with skyrim and and i think when we talked about general the general vibes of the mm-hmm. worlds right like skyrim does feel a little disconnected in that res- in that regard and it's something that i think oblivion did a lot better now granted skyrim has is a little more robust in terms of like everything it offers so i think there was probably things that had to be cut just for the sake of having that game mm-hmm. ship. Um, and so it's something that I hope that in the next Elder Scrolls they kind of go back to is just sort of uh, mindless NPC chattering and and sort of just like little conversations you can overhear when walking around. Mm-hmm. For sure. It really does add to the feeling that it is a lived-in world, that they are actual kind of people. Um and that the towns you live or visit are actual thriving towns. So yeah. I agree with uh, Adam here. So, yeah, good points. Um, the next one comes in from Sasquatch Burger from Reddit. It was my first game I played on that generation of consoles. Seeing the detail of the bricks on the floor in the Imperial City blew me away. Heck, the size of the game blew me away. I don't think I'd really ever play a first-person open-world game. I don't think I'd really ever played a first-person open-world game before. Killing Dorian for infinite money. The fan. Becoming the leader of every guild. A lot of people don't didn't like this, but it's a role-playing game. Let me do what I want. If your character doesn't make sense to be in charge of Thieves and fighter, Fighters Guild, then role-play as that character, and I don't. Um, yeah, I mean... Killing Dorian for infinite money is something I had forgotten about. That is a very funny <laughs> glitch you can do. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. Let me tackle this in the beginning. Size of the game. Yes, that game is huge. Um, the mm-hmm. detail in the inner city is incredible. The Imperial City. Um, yeah, killing Dorian for infinite money is hysterical. There was also the item duplication glitch, which I think is really good. Um, if you needed a bunch of extra arrows or whatever. Um, I never became the leader of every guild. I was very much the person that was like, I'm only going to become the leader of the guilds that I see my character mm-hmm. thriving in. So I did the Thieves Guild more so out of curiosity. Um, mm-hmm. But like, I never did the Fighters Guild and I never did the whatever the Mages Guild quest line was. I did them later in like yeah. subsequent playthroughs, but for my first playthrough, I didn't do either of those. Yeah. Um, I didn't do I pretty much like I said I did Blades I did Black uh, Dark Brotherhood I did Thieves Guild those are the ones I pretty much stuck with in terms of the the side things Um, but yeah the the size and scope is impressive for this time Um, it's it's just damn good it's just damn good next up we have user Ghostly L from Reddit they say, oh, Oblivion, my favorite Elder Scrolls game. I remember getting all skills and attributes, including luck to 100, creating the highest level character and absolutely destroying Mehrun's Dagon. I remember closing Oblivion gates and killing Daedra, grinding for hours on end, just completing the lovely quests, the Mage's Guild questline, and oh, Shivering Islands, oh, Shivering Islands. Shivering Isles is so perfect. I remember becoming the Prince of Madness and feeling so accomplished. After completing all the quests, I finished the arena quest lines as my last vigil and closed the game for the last time. Such good memories. Yeah, that's a lot of game time right there. Yeah, that is. <laughs> Maxing out all the attributes. Oh, man. Um, 
ghostly we're, we're all gonna start another playthrough why don't you join <laughs> join us we're all gonna start yeah, playing again no kidding we'll have you back and we'll uh we'll start new playthroughs and uh we'll see how it goes or do live streams where we just chill in a uh a discord voice call and talk about the game as we play it could be fun yeah. could be fun like an rpg uh fireside chat fires yeah exactly um do you want do you want to go to the next one sure take on the last all one. right so this one comes from a man taco 211 from reddit like 2009 i think i was new to the fleet in the marines i had a really cool roommate that was close to getting out out and being a civilian so he would always request our, our sergeant we were in the air wing so we were all friends and relatively lax when not deployed to let me go back to the room and help him pack all the shit this was just an excuse to get back to our shared oblivion playthrough that itself is a great memory but i'll never forget our panic when we accidentally became a vampire and spent so much time underground before we realized it that when we came outside to go to town it, it was day it was daytime and we would basically die in a matter of seconds from the sun that was the best day of oblivion just trying to figure out what we need to do to not die lol thanks for the memory stark miss you friend um yeah um oblivion i forgot all about vampires yeah vampirism i had too we hadn't even touched on it but that was the, yeah so i think i always conflate the vampires in oblivion because i remember that skyrim added the vampire dlc and so i always assumed that mm -hmm. vampirism was just a skyrim thing but like i now have like vague memories of watching my friend become a vampire and just like seeing like how much work he had to do to like not die in that game <laughs> and being like this just doesn't seem worth yeah. it to me this just seems too much work yeah you really had to plan things out uh if you got vampirism if you became a vampire like you got a lot of cool benefits but yeah being just wrecked in the daylight uh it, it could be rough it could be really rough but Thank you to each and every one of you that submitted your favorite memories and moments from Oblivion. We very much appreciate it. As always, down in the show notes, you'll find links to the various subreddits where you can post your own favorite moments and memories, and I can't wait to read them. Now, as you've heard Jesse and I talk about how awesome this game is, you might be thinking to yourself, wow, where can I get this game or how can I play it? Well, we are here to help you with that. First off, this is available on the Xbox Game Pass. So if you have Game Pass uh, or Game Pass Ultimate, you can pick it up right now and download it onto either your PC or your Xbox. So check that out. And if you don't, well, on Steam, it's only about 15 bucks for the Game of the Year edition. And if you want the physical versions, you're looking at the PS3 version, slightly rare, uh, will come in for the Game of the Year edition brand new at $30 and the 360 version you can pick up for $25. It works on both the 360, the Xbox Series X or S, or the uh, Xbox Ones, and that's only $25. So nice and easy. And you can find uh, cheaper used versions um, online, though I believe like GameStops and a lot of those places aren't really carrying that generation of game anymore so it might be hard to find in store so you might have to go online to like ebay but shouldn't cost you that much now let's say you have hypothetically downloaded your copy of oblivion or picked up a brand new copy and you might want some tips or advice to get started well jesse and i are here to help you with some tips and advice so jesse what tips or advice would you give to brand new players of oblivion okay We've talked about it a lot, but I'm going to say it again. Jump everywhere. Um, specifically, there's that one town where you can go on the bar and get your acrobatics all the way up. Um, two, I would say don't worry too much about letting the game tell you where to go and really just kind of explore. Like, don't be afraid to just wander off. I think that's how you find some of the best stuff in the game. Um while like the game does have a waypoint system, like the game can guide you along the way, but your best experience with this game, I think will always be just walking around and talking to characters and seeing what sort of trouble you can get into on your own. Um, that being said, also um, don't be afraid to change up your class. If you feel like it's not working for you, 
Um, the game is very malleable in that sense. So I would always recommend if you start maybe as a bow user and you realize you don't want to be doing that, just ditch it and pick up something else. Like you, you will have a better time in the long run if you find uh, a system and a class that works for you. Mm-hmm. And kind of touching on that, my tips would be if you do want to respec, it's kind of difficult to do, but just search. There are console commands that you can access that will help you do it. There's a bunch of guides out there. But also, just don't be afraid. Like, just explore. Try things out. Um, and kind of be aware that your gameplay style will evolve as you go. Um, just with what you do, what you explore, what side tangents and side quests you decide to randomly go on. That will all impact how you grow and develop. And of course, you can, if you want to stick with ranged, uh, like as a ranged class or magic class, you can definitely tailor your uh play style to those and be rewarded for it but just have a ball just explore see what happens and don't be afraid to you know try all the un walk down all the un uh untread paths and you're bound to be rewarded for it We are on to perhaps one of my favorite moments of each episode, the monster or enemy of the week. Jesse, what enemy have you brought to send to the arena this week? Okay, so I have brought the the, the spider Daedra, and these things terrified me when I played Oblivion. Um, they are creepy looking. They are also very funny looking. They are like half man, woman, half spider, like half human, half spider, like they're freaky they make no sense but i love them um they're also incredibly dangerous um i don't even think they start showing up in the game until you're level like 18 or something like that like um they're pretty high level enemies um but they are they're just too cool to not have that they are Spider Daedra are servants of Mamphala, taking the form of spider-human hybrids, spider-humanoid centaurs with an upper head, torso, and arms of a human proportion mounted on eight legs and an armored carpus of a giant spider. Unfortunately, these Daedra are so fierce and irrational that they cannot be trusted to heed the commands of the spinner. As of consequence, few sorcerers are willing to summon to either summon or bind such cre creatures in Morrowind. Coming from an anonymous source, Spider Daedra are also known as Perthen, and they're tougher Daedra that you will find in the Plains of Oblivion starting around level 17, and they're in the upper tier of the Daedra hierarchy. Their level are right around 16, they have 300 health with 150 magic, which stamina is at 285, and they have the spells and abilities of Poison Spit and Shock Bolt. They have 16 strength, and they're resistant to fire damage and immune to paralysis. Their soul side is greater. So be careful when you're cruising around the Plains of Oblivion. You might just stumble upon a half-human, half-spider hybrid centaur who is going to wreck your shit. Yeah. Well, that is going to do it for another episode of RPG University. Thank you so much, Jesse, for coming on and uh, nerding out with some Oblivion with me. Mm -hmm. This was a lot of fun. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Like, I always, I'm always down to talk games, you know. And our Oblivion's a special one, so I was happy we were able to to do it on this one. Yeah, uh, it was a lot of fun, and uh, I can't wait for our perhaps future eventual fireside chat. Uh, over uh, new Oblivion playthroughs sometime in the near future. But where can people find you online? What do you have cooking? Go ahead and plug away. Oh, awesome. Thank you. Uh, so you can find me on Twitter at Jesse Vitelli at J-E-S-S-E-V-I-T-E-L-L-I. -E -L -L um, that's where you'll find most of my um, my musings and, and dumb tweets and other things. Um, but you can find my writing over at primagames.com. Um, the premium games people who used to make a strategy guide. I'm pretty sure they made an oblivion strategy guide. You could probably go get that somewhere on the internet. Um, but yeah, we, we, you know, we write news and features and guides and all sorts of good stuff. Um, and yeah, so some of the stuff I got in the works right now, I can't quite talk about. We're under embargo for some stuff, but, um, definitely some good RPG goodness coming, coming your way soon. So if you're a fan of RPGs and you're listening to this, you know, why don't you check out premium games? They got some good RPG coverage. 
Yes, they do. Your guys' content is fantastic. Thank and you. if you ever talk to your boss or the higher ups, feel free to mention that uh, they should really start doing strategy guides again because I miss strategy oh, guides so it, much. It like is I, a conversation we are having. Guides. Do not worry. I I miss them so much. I miss instruction books so much and strategy guides. So every day, every day, but. Thank you to each and every one of you who's listened today. We really appreciate it. Be sure to rate and review us on your preferred podcast service, as I'd really appreciate it. If you have an RPG you would like us to feature on an episode, tweet at the brand new official RPG University Twitter, which is at underscore RPG University, with the hashtag RPGU with your suggestion, or share your own favorite RPGs and memories directly with me on Twitter at SolidSnake120. And as always, everybody, stay safe, stay healthy, be kind to one another, class dismissed.